0: So hard who lying trouble so harm don't about and do my trouble God. don't about and do my trouble bug so today on the radical reverence show is our left left or leftist show back uh um, due to popular demand and of course we are taping off-site we're not in the radio station per se uh, but coming to you very uh almost very live and certainly if you're on soundcloud itunes or any of the other podcast sites you could hear the show forever so please uh, send me your responses love to hear from you uh twitter facebook instagram whatever you use email always good to hear from you. Uh, lots to talk about. And of course, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So uh, we'll start with that. Um, Alex, how are you? How are you doing? How's your family?
1: Uh, surviving, you know, getting um, getting in sort of exercise and the not school for my son. Uh, yeah, it's not school. Uh, people should, should not even think about it as any even close to a Actual school. And, and I think a lot of people are coming to realize just what a job teachers do, an incredible job teachers do.
0: Yeah. Now, um, speaking to Alex Grant, of course, uh, uh, from Fight Back, uh, who's our uh, socialist, uh, the, the leftist one on, on the panel today. How old is your son? What grade is he in?
1: Uh, he's in grade five. He's 10 years old.
0: Right, because I, I have heard from some parents that there really isn't any curriculum being offered much.
1: There's essentially, there's a little bit of homework. There's some, um, uh, you go to this, these websites and do these problems. Uh, we've also got him set up doing math for an hour with my mum. So with over Skype. So, but yeah, again, it's not even close to school. And screen time is no longer screen time. It's actually social time. Like he's got all his mates on Fortnite and they do various video games, but it's it's the only social communication he's really got with his friends.
0: Yeah, it's that, that's sad. And of course we probably expect that this will go on for the rest of the school year. and They won't be back. I would expect. Yes. Mm -hmm. Although
1: what's going on in Quebec, they're opening up uh, Uh, next week.
0: Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. As if children don't get this. Um, we have people uh, in our congregation who are who are frontline workers at sick kids and I can tell you children also are vulnerable yep and Absolutely. of course our carriers too um so let's talk about let's talk about healthcare today uh, the Ontario health coalition um is calling for i could i didn't wasn't able to print out the sign, but uh, yay, Ontario Health Coalition, they're calling for the end to privatization for long term care, among other things, decent pay, more PPEs. Um, uh, and I know that frontline care workers are still having trouble getting uh, personal protective equipment that mm-hmm. they need to do their jobs. And this is throughout our hospital system. In fact, you know, uh, there was a court case to be able to get them for long-term care workers. Um, this is shocking, and I'll say from my perspective, it's been going on for decades. We, we, we've we seen the problems in long-term care. We know that staff there have been overworked and underpaid, um, that they haven't been able to do their jobs um, the way they would want to do them, that when you inject profit into the healthcare system, you end up with these problems.
1: Um, what do you think, Alex? Yes. What to do? For profit, <laughs> private, uh, long-term care. A total disaster. And and a disaster waiting to happen. The uh, the workers in those sectors have been highlighting these issues way before COVID. And and yes, it needs to be taken back into public hands. Uh, we've got to remove the profit motive from long-term care and properly pay and provision those workers. Like one of the contributing factors is that they never give full-time hours to those workers, so they don't have to give them benefits. And then, of course, that forces the workers to go work in two, three, four institutions and then spread around uh, all these infections, even before COVID. But COVID is like, it's the great revealer. Everything in society that is wrong, that everything in society that is close to collapse Covid exploits those weaknesses. And that's why I think it's almost it's about three quarters of all the deaths are in old folks homes, long term care, uh, etc. So because that was a part of capitalist society that was so close to collapse even before.
0: Absolutely. Um, and I just wanted to highlight uh, there is a gender and race uh, component here, too, that the vast majority of workers in long term care are women and and I would guess that the majority of those women are women of color. Um, many of them, I have several in my congregation who are working as personal support workers. Uh, a lot of them are recent immigrants. Um, so this is, has definitely not only got a class basis here, but a gender and race uh, component as well. Um, quite horrific.
1: Yeah, so and we've just gone past the, uh, the day of mourning for the, the injured worker. And, and I think it was on the same day or the day after we heard of the second uh, support worker, long-term care worker, who died of COVID-19. So, and, and also there's been hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, have been infected. So this, this is uh, utterly criminal. Actually, I think it may actually be technically criminal, criminal not just functionally criminal, that uh, the, the lack of protective equipment and the underfunding of this sector has led to so many deaths, and people should be held accountable. The owners of these homes should be held accountable.
0: Absolutely. Let's hope there's lots of lawsuits coming out of this. I'm sure there are. There already are in Quebec. Um, so let's look at the government. It, this comes under the Ontario government's uh, jurisdiction, long term care, and like all of health care. Um, uh, Doug Ford has said that he's going to step in and provide more oversight. Uh, he said that this will you know, attempt to fix things um he's
1: sounding tough um what do you think well i, th- I think uh, doug ford is being a lot more intelligent than he used to be in that he's saying uh, a lot of things that people want to hear but then it doesn't change anything it doesn't change anything they're not providing the uh, protective equipment they're you know when they said oh they were going to stop uh, workers working at multiple institutions with the idea of giving them full-time pay and benefits, then that didn't happen for a, a long period of time, even when they said they were going to implement it. So the words and the deeds are totally different and, and, and they could have acted months ago. Actually, they, they, in terms of long-term care, they could have acted years ago. This is being raised at union conventions again and again and again. So. Uh, really blood is on their hands this inaction
0: yeah decades ago i would add i mean this is not just a conservative problem this was the liberal government who was in for 14 years as well lest we forget um that didn't act on this uh, problem and uh it was very evident back then so we're talking about something that goes back decades here in the making um and and it starts with to me it starts with the privatization of the entire um Industry really. I mean, it starts mm-hmm. with the privatization once they started privatizing this aspect of healthcare, care um, the rest followed
1: um, Actually, l- I, I would add a another so it should be uh, Renationalized and brought into mm-hmm. the public sector, but it also You need to have control by the workers themselves You cannot trust private owners who only care about their profits and they don't go anywhere near these homes They don't face any of the risks you need to take them into public ownership, but you also need to put them under control of the workers themselves. They are the ones who can assess wh- what is uh, the risks, the necessary risks, the necessary need in terms of PPE, and 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 that's it's a life or de- life or death question, uh, whether you give control to profiteers or whether you give control to workers.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Um, and and uh, a good example of that is the fact that our large hospitals and other healthcare institutions are public, but yet there's still some problems with management and you just need to look to the nurses unions and others to see what problems they've had. They've had to go to court um, again. Um, So, uh, so, it's you're right, it's not just that it becomes public, but that workers have control of it. And this is important because often you get pushback from people talking about, you know, well, what, we're gonna give it to some bureaucrats in the government to run, that's not much better. So um, again, an important distinction. I wanna to talk to you about something that I just heard about um, for front, from frontline workers, um, and that is the city has started issuing tickets to people homeless who are living in tents um i was outraged by this when i heard it um and uh apparently that's starting today um it's uh so people are going out if they're in parks or public property and issuing i mean first of all to me it's absurd they have no money they're not going to pay these stupid tickets if it's enforced and they start forcibly removing them it's outrageous and uh, unethical and immoral um you to force people into unsafe shelters is horrible. And we have empty hotel rooms right across the city. Uh, We have empty condo units. Um, Weigh in on this, Alex.
1: Yeah, absolutely. To use these uh, regulations to criminalize the poor and the homeless is is totally disgusting. And yes, there are all these empty hotel rooms. There are empty condos that they all should be uh, taken over and given. we've got to house the homeless in them and allow people to isolate safely, right? I, actually, I was on a morning walk down the uh, Don Valley uh, just uh, uh, an hour or two ago. And there, there's large homeless camps there, people in tents. And I'm also doing some reading about the Great Depression. And in exactly the same place in the 1930s was what they called the Holbo Village. So it's like we're facing, nothing has changed since the depression. We're facing the same conditions and the same victimization that they're trying to blame this crisis on the poor when, in fact, uh, the responsibility for it is the capitalist state refusing to make the investments that a sane, rational society would do so.
0: Now, uh, what I, can, I can almost hear the politicians speaking into my ear here, uh, first of all, blaming other levels of government, which is a, a popular thing to do these days, um, but also saying, well, it's private property, and we can't control what the hotels, we can ask them politely, we can say, this would be the city's response, but, you know, it's owned by the hotels, we can't do anything, um, you know, uh, th- we are already running a huge deficit, you know, millions every day, because the Ontario government stopped paying us enough, and then the Ontario government will Will say it's a city problem, it's not our problem, and the federal government will say it's not our problem at all, this is city or provincial. So that's what's happening in the political world. Um, what would your response be to that?
1: Uh, well, it's a game, the jurisdictional game, it's a terrible game to refuse to do anything. And, and I don't, I honestly don't care which level of government acts, uh, government needs to act, and in terms of money well they provided over 500 billion dollars of bailouts and loans to the biggest banks and corporations uh way more than any of the individual supports way way more and so they've got the money for the rich they they're only the the, the most miserly extension of supports for poor people and and then uh, and as you go down the, uh, the economic ladder, then it becomes more and more victimization, not just lack of support.
0: Yeah, I mean, speaking about large corporations, uh, one of the, you know, one of the glaring problems <laughs> with the bailouts has been that um, they stop bailing out corporations that don't pay taxes here, that basically have offshore tax havens you know, in what world should we be bailing out people who don't bail us out, who don't contribute to the tax structure here? Now, apparently Trudeau said the other day that they were not going to do that, but he said it in French only and not in English, which had people a little concerned. Um, I don't know. I mean, have you heard anything? I, I haven't heard whether they're doing this or not still. I mean, the fact no, that... he went were, back on that. He yeah. went
1: back on that. And, and, and actually, I, I read the... Uh, the the original quote and it was very loyally you know it was uh, very skillfully put and then people said ah trudeau says they're not going to get bailed out and then he went oh yeah actually they are um so it's uh, no he's totally gone back on that and yes why why on earth should get they get a bailout if they're they're not paying taxes here actually in my opinion none of them should get a bailout they should be if if you've got money to give to these corporations, or you can buy equity. Uh, that actually you nationalise them. In fact, a lot of them, I don't think they even should be uh, paid any in equity. I think they should be expropriated, especially if that's a, it's essential production of, for healthcare needs for the lives of people, essential services. I think it should be expropriated. And and what you said in terms of well, that's private property. Well, if it's a choice between human lives and private property, I'm sorry, I pick human life and. Uh, and private property can go hang
0: yeah actually i i, I think that if john tory had just at the city level of people stood up and said let's just put them in those hotel uh you know bill us right exactly. <laughs> Bill us either, um that uh you know uh this would work well to getting them re-elected i mean i don't think anybody would object to that uh so just a, a shout out to those folk i know on city council um this is a time for boldness not uh not
1: and I think, I think they've done it in BC. I think I think they have uh, opened up some hotels in BC. Yeah,
0: they've done it in other cities and states too, for that matter. In New York, they've done it. So if they can do it in New York, we can certainly do it here. Um, so let's move on. We're talking, by the way, to Alex Grant um, from Fight Back. Um, Uh, On our left, left or leftist panel, you're listening to the Radical Reverend Show here on CIUT, 89.5 FM, and of course, on uh, the podcast uh, outlets as well. Um, I want to move on. Uh, Alex, you raised the issue about the beef packing plant, um, beef processing plant out in Alberta. Um, Terrifying. Apparently, most of the the COVID spread started there, or a lot of it. Um, What did you want to raise about that?
1: Yes, so, so again, this is the, the issue that COVID is the great revealer of everything that's wrong in uh, current society. That here you've got uh, these meat packing plants, these butchering plants, and it's something like 2,000, 2,500 workers tightly packed in together, a lot of uh, immigrant workers, a lot of temporary foreign workers, and the, and the company totally does not care, did not care about the health and safety of these workers, that the, the company is all about packing meat, whether it's animal meat or human meat, it's just pack it in, pack it in. And uh, sick workers were told, no, 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 you have to come to work, otherwise uh, you won't get paid. And now uh, I think over out of a workplace of 2,000 workers, over 500 infected, three have died, so far, and there's something like twelve hundred infections in the community. It is like the main hotspot in Alberta. And the company's trying to blame the workers. That, uh, that Oh, it's they're, they're trying to use racism actually. So, oh, it's their cultural practices of why there's such high infection rates. Well, you know, the reason why that these workers are so tightly packed together is because they're paid so little and forced into those conditions. Uh so it's Corporate manslaughter is very clear, corporate manslaughter. And then when the the union called the Ministry of Labour to say this isn't safe, what happens? They do an inspection over FaceTime. Totally discussed. And then they say it's fine. They say it's fine, but it's not safe enough for them to go there themselves. They don't even see the irony of this, the sick irony. I, and uh, so I don't think just the company's liable here, but I think the Ministry of Labour in Alberta is totally liable. You know, that who who's on the end of that FaceTime call that they are responsible for these deaths and these mass infections also.
0: Shocking um, and agreed. Uh, I want to talk about, you raised another I- issue to me, and that is the rollout of EI and CERB coming from the government. And I just wanted to point out that One of the problems that I've heard from frontline workers is uh, for the rollout of EI, for example, is that, first of all, it's not rolling out. You know, you wait weeks and weeks, and meanwhile, you have to pay your rent. But also um, that if you're a whistleblower in exactly that kind of situation, if you're working in what is clearly an unsafe situation where you don't have PPEs, where you're you're not maintaining social distancing, you can't leave. You can't leave and collect CERB or EI. So it's it's basically you can't be a whistleblower of a a place like that. And I think that is absolutely horrendous because that de facto is forcing people to keep working in places like that. Um, What about CERB? What do you think about it? Isn't that what we need?
1: Uh, No, Uh, in some ways it's a kind of in some ways it's a hidden bailout because that money is very briefly in the hands of working class people before it passes off to uh, the landlord and to Galen Weston and who's, who's making billions now. Um, now it, it's, the, it's the utter minimum necessary to keep people surviving and without a massive outbreak. So uh, I, I guess it's better than nothing. But I, I don't think it's the solution. Uh, I, like, my, What I think is you should, the corporate Canada has over a trillion dollars in uninvested dead money. That they, They've got billions of dollars in their bank accounts. They should be made to pay for this. It shouldn't just be a government bailout. They should be made to pay. Everybody should be on full pay. Everybody on po- full pay. And if you're an essential worker, you should be in double danger pay. The corporations have got the money, and if they say they don't, all right, open the books, open the books, and we'll have a look. And if they genuinely don't, well, then you should take them over. The government should take take them over. But the the problem with things like CERB, it's it's a it's a short term solution to keep people home during the virus. It's 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 the minimum survivability, and it's not enough to pay rent into into Toronto, but. Uh, the problem is, who pays? That eventually, like we get this money now, but uh, six months, 12 months down the road, there's going to be massive cuts and austerity in order to pay for it. And so the real question here is who pays? And so I, it's, I say, you know, make the bosses pay, make the rich pay. They created the conditions for the spread of the virus. They're, they're trying to reopen the economy to spread the virus because they care about profits more than they care about people. So they should pay for it.
0: Yeah. Um, talking, of course, with Alex Grant from Fight Back uh, on our left, left or leftist panel here on the Radical Reverend show. Um, so coming out of this, uh, you know, Ford and others are speaking about a recovery plan for business. Um, and we should mention, by the way, there's a whole lot of small business owners that aren't you know, multinationals that are going to have to shutter their doors after this because nobody's eating in the restaurants, nobody's buying whatever they're selling. Um, And uh, the rollout uh, to them has been, again, Problematic, um, not good enough. I mean, certainly, uh, this this latest thing, and by the way, the seventy five percent rent for small business and, and stuff, that goes through the landlord. I mean, it goes through the landlord, the commercial landlords, before it ever gets to the tenants. So it's very problematic. Just in case you think that's working, um, coming out of all of this, uh, this is it seems to me the perfect uh, setup for dramatic changes. Uh, speaking as a socialist, dramatic changes to our way of doing things in this country and other countries. Will it happen?
1: I think it can. I, I, I think it's going to happen in some countries. I, I'm hopeful it will happen in Canada too. Um, it, somebody's, some countries are going to be faster, some are going to be slower, but it makes it really obvious that the corporations care about profits more than do about people. And so it makes it so very obvious that it's just profits, profits, profits before people. And and that has a radicalizing effect on consciousness. And, and, and in some ways, there is a polarization going on in society between people who've come to this realization, and, and they've been... Um, Walkouts there's been rent strikes. So people are acting there's also the other side of it. There's kind of been this national unity uh, rally around the maple leaf uh, and, and that makes sense too in that it's very scary to believe that the people who run society don't know what they're doing so people want to believe that the uh, the powers that be know what they're doing, but it's a, a faint hope and a desperate belief rather than a firm conviction and it can very, very quickly turn to vociferous opposition, especially in the post-COVID period when austerity starts really coming down. And it is a question of who pays. Uh, there's already been cuts. Uh, there's, I think, uh, Vancouver City Council just cut 1,200 workers. There's been Manitoba. The Manitoba government is putting through 30% cuts. And the TTC has just laid off 1,200 people. So the cuts are already beginning, but it's going to be vicious in, in, in the months and years to follow. And, and that will cause a significant fight back.
0: Um, I hope you're right. Uh, what we're seeing when we look South of the border, for example, is the rise of the right wing. As we see, armed, literally militia groups now, terrorist groups holding even governments hostage in some instances. South of the border, Trump egging them on, more or less. You know, um, and uh, and so this, and they also say, of course, that they're anti elitist. They say we, you know, it's it's the big corporations, big banks. They have the same in a sense, the same rhetoric at times, right? That they're using to rally literally their troops in some instances. What's, what's not going to prevent this from going the, exactly the other way, it, it, to move towards, and we saw this, of course, in Germany, we see this historically, you know, where things start to shift, and then all of a sudden, the right takes hold. Why not that
1: response? Well, you get a polarization. Now, we shouldn't overplay these uh, right-wing idiots who, uh, who are congregating on mass. Actually, I see media reports of all sorts of them getting infected now, even some uh, 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 religious figures who are holding uh, sort of mass uh, gatherings. And I think one or two of them even died uh, of COVID. Uh, so I, I don't know what that means about uh, they're going the going to God heaven, on this. Alex, they're going to heaven. <laughs>
0: So,
1: so, uh, but uh, let's not overplay these right wing groupings, like they normally bring out a few hundred, but then get massive media coverage. But on the other side, uh, the majority of Americans think they are uh, nut bars. And, uh, and what you've had is also a wave of wildcat walkouts, amazon workers and uh, and various other sectors of the economy and i and i think that's actually much more reflective of public opinion in the united states and in canada And but it also you're seeing this polarization to the left and the right but i'd say that the the weight of the polarization is way more to the left than to the right
0: um, I hope you're right. Uh, it's, it's a little disconcerting the amount of media attention and, and the, and their control over the media, which I think is a challenge to anybody on the left. Um, where, where was I saying, I think at Breitbart, 15.5 million followers. Um, I mean, that has a significant impact. You know, we don't really in Canada even have a guardian, for example. I mean, we don't have, um, Uh, I mean, is this a failure of the left to not meet the message from the right with our own message that's getting the same kind of attention um, media-wise, speaking about that?
1: Well, there's new media. There's what we're doing right now. Uh, I I think, and social media, I think the left is uh, doing quite well actually in terms of uh, social media and reaching people where they are. But of course, uh, corporate media, big money, is uh, definitely uh, hegemonic on that s- scale, but for young people, young people don't watch TV news anymore. Don't young people? I, I was uh, uh, talking to young activists and telling them they should really listen to CBC Radio in the morning. The the the, uh, the news is very good. And it's like, what's radio? Yeah. Uh, so uh, they, they get, so young people get all their news from uh, the internet, and and so the corporate media it does have it does have a limited effect amongst young people.
0: Yeah, it's true. But the internet is also riddled with the right as well, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's also a problem. I mean, conspiracy theories are running amok these days. Uh, speaking again to Alex Grant, uh, Alex Grant from Fight Back um, and on our left, left leftist panel, we just have uh, a few moments left. Uh, Alex, um, what, sh- what should folk be doing? How should people stay active in the activist sense uh, uh, under this pandemic? What should we be yeah. doing?
1: So we can't we can't have mass demonstrations that uh, we're not going to be crazy like the right wing. But what you can do, there's fantastic organisations around rent strikes. So that uh, so join those movements. And a rent strike is not just a uh, end in itself. It's a means to an end. You can uh, use rent strikes as a lever to uh, make general demands and general trade change and and also uh, there's been these walkouts there's been a whole series of walkouts there's been walkouts in long-term care there's been walkouts on the TTC Um, so these are really sort of rank-and-file spontaneous uh, elements of struggle also the uh, lockout in uh, Regina they just had a rally a car rally around the legislature so 300 cars uh, for the workers from the plant Bringing the legislature, so you have to get creative. And on May Day, there is a massive uh, May Day online meeting, online event, and uh, uh, and so get involved in uh, mass online meetings, Zoom meetings, etc., uh, where uh, and get educated and get organised today to prepare to come out in the streets tomorrow.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Alex. Uh, keep on keeping on. Uh, Alex Grant from Fight Back on the Left Lefter Leftist Show on the Radical Reverend. Thanks, Alex. Till next time. Bye. Thanks, Welcome back to the Radical Reverend show. You are listening to your host, Sherry DeNovo, of course, um, but you're in luck because as you know from the first half hour, we are on the left, lefter, leftist uh, panel today. And we're talking now to Emma Wakeland, who's uh, of course, our other panelist after Alex. Um, and we're going to be talking about the same kinds of issues that we covered with Alex. Actually, I am going to start off, uh, Emma, and, and uh, talk about something that just came to light, um, which is the city have been issuing tickets to people living in tents. Um, this is bizarre to me, first of all, because they're not going to pay them because they have no money. Um, and if they forcibly try to remove them, these are people who are there for a reason. They don't want to go to shelters. Quite frankly, if I was homeless, I would not want to go to a shelter either. They're dangerous places under COVID. Uh, and we've got all these empty hotel rooms and everything else. What's the problem? I don't get it.
2: Yeah, I don't get it. It, It's certainly cone deaf from, uh, from the city, um, you're absolutely right. I mean, shelters are dangerous in uh, "quote unquote" normal times. Uh, they're certainly more dangerous now. Um, and, and from previous reports, uh, COVID is running rampant in in those areas. And if we're t- if we're serious about a society, about social distancing and trying to flatten this curve by um, social, socially isolating people, it can't just be socially isolating people that we view as "quote unquote" important. Um, uh, it's, it's everybody. Uh, and, and it's, it's a human rights issue. It's a, it's a health issue. Um, and the city should not be ticketing people right now for, for, uh, just surviving. Um, they, they've got to be better. Uh, this is unacceptable and you're right. I mean, we have to be creative on how we, we, house people right now, uh, during this crisis. And you're right. there are lots of empty, um, hotel rooms, motel, uh, that can be repurposed right now. Um, I don't understand uh, why we would not be addressing this in a more humane and smart uh, way in, in terms of uh, a health policy.
0: Now, uh, Emma, um, as you out there in listener land may know who followed the program is... Uh, uh, has worked in government, in the wind government in Ontario. Um, and I want to say that what I, I'm hearing from politicians is a lot of buck passing, a lot of to other governments, right? So the city is saying, well, we're millions of dollars short because of Doug Ford. Um, and Ford is saying, well, we're millions of dollars short because of the feds. <laughs> I mean, there's everybody's pointing fingers at somebody else to help with this issue. Um, what's the answer to that? Because, you know, like people like... Well, you and I and others that I know who kind of out here in Toronto want to just, just want to get an answer. And yeah. uh, it's, it's not forthcoming. What, how does a government wherever you are sit, you know, civic, uh, provincial or federal, like whose responsibility is it? And what should they be doing?
2: Well, ultimately I, it, it, it does come down to money. And, and the problem is the cities, uh, as you know, cannot run deficits legally. They have no uh, mechanism running a debt. So, uh, they have to be backstopped by someone and that's either the province or the feds. And um, although, it, I mean, I, I do not agree with Doug Ford on anything. He is right that he doesn't have unlimited funds to back. He doesn't have the amount of money needed to backstop the municipalities, but the feds do. And the, the federal government needs to step up and uh, listen to the cities that are, are are screaming that they're running out of money. Uh, Toronto will probably run out of its reserve money by the, by the end of uh, June um uh, and uh, we are we're looking at a serious crisis in terms of health and security if the city of Toronto runs out of money it's the city we've downloaded uh, time time again responsibilities onto the city and not uh given them an insurance policy so if the city runs out of money we're talking ambulances which inexplicably is run by municipalities uh police uh fire water you name it um so um yes at the end of the day, the prime minister has to step up and uh, take a leadership role and say, "Listen, the, the federal government is the only body that can print money, that can uh, has the unlimited power to the, to borrow money to to backstop a, a crisis, and he needs to uh, protect our cities because Toronto's not the only one. Calgary is running into problems. Vancouver, uh, and even the provinces. The 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 premier of Newfoundland last month wrote the prime minister saying that the province of Newfoundland would be out of money uh, by the mid." Uh, by the midsummer, so uh, this is something that needs to be addressed right away. Uh, we're um, you know, the cities can't do this on their own. Um,
0: I mean, what's to, and I hear you, and I want to go back to the feds in a moment, but, you know, what's to to stop at this point? Because this is a public health issue, too. I mean, you know, uh, we should be caring about the homeless. It's pretty clear that's not top of mind for a lot of governments. But, I mean, certainly for everybody's sake, this situation cannot continue. Um, What's to stop the government from, the city government here, because, you know, at the end of the day, that's who's probably best able to do something um, to move them into hotel rooms and say, bill us or to challenge hotels licensing. Or, I mean, they do have some levers that they can use. I mean, obviously it would be great if the hotel stepped up and just did it at motels and condo units for that matter, developers that are sitting empty. Um, But uh, there are levers the city can use and, and then kind of fight with the government later. I mean, isn't that a route?
2: Yeah, I I, know. I I agree with you on that. And I think one of the the issues is that there's been a lot of talk coming from the mayor and not a lot of action. Um, And just uh, as an aside, um, the mayor talks about wanting to have a moratorium on uh, rent um, sorry, commercial and uh, residential evictions, but the city itself is uh, not giving any rent relief to its uh, nonprofit and charity uh, clients that rent out city facilities. So it's a lot of talking uh, through one uh, mouth and no, I don't know how that cliche works, but you know what I mean? It's it's a lot of hypocritical talk coming from the mayor and not a lot of uh, action backing it up. So uh, the city has to do better. That is for sure. And, and you're right. There are, are tools the city can use to, um, to force the issue. And I don't know why they're not using those tools. And I think it's a lot of it is just uh, the mayor's conservative background, not wanting to ruffle his business uh, friends. Um, I I just, otherwise I can't see what the, the, what's stopping them.
0: Yeah. Um, I just want to talk about the feds for a minute, because one of the, um, one of the things that, um, I, I know that number of people have been upset about um was this bailing out of companies that have tax havens that don't pay a lot of taxes um yeah. and then um trudeau came out and said in french that that was going to stop um but we're not really in english I'm seeing any action on this what's your take on that
2: yeah i mean it it's 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 interesting that we haven't heard it in english yet but i i I don't know if uh, if they're playing to two sides of, of the story on this. I, I don't think they're dumb enough to realize that they can make an announcement in French and not fall through with it uh, in English. But uh, at the end of the day, you're right. I mean, the uh, and, and it's not a courageous decision he has to make. It. A lot of governments uh, in Europe are making these um, decisions, uh, and it's uh, other G seven nations are doing it. So there's no reason for the gov- or for Trudeau not to. Uh, not to come out full force but again this comes to my complaint on our last show is that there's a lot of half measures that that our governments are doing uh and it's not just the prime minister but all levels of government but this the rent subsidies that uh they announced a couple of weeks ago for um for small businesses it's it's not working uh and it's not going far enough because uh, it, it Realized completely on on the landlords themselves to uh, apply and willingly take at least a 25% hit. And some calculations mean they could be even taking a 75% hit. So uh, <laughs> it's a meaningless program. Um, and uh, we're not giving the supports to small business that we need. We're not giving support to, to uh, renters that we need to give. And uh, we're ultimately, we're not, also not forcing the banks to give the support to mortgage holders that, um, that they'll need be able to give their, their tenants a uh, break. So it's a lot of half measures. It's, there's, there's a great meme going around about um, politicians biting uh, medals and pretending they're the ones who are uh, the ones who uh, are the victors in the, in the win against COVID. And it's, it's so true. It, it's, there's a lot of uh, backclapping and uh, uh, celebrating each other, but they're not getting anything done. And it, it's only a matter of time until the public, gets increasingly frustrated. And we're already seeing support for the governments um, starting to, to fall. Um, it, it's only a matter of time before uh, that turns into uh, to anger.
0: Uh, Speaking to Emma Wakelin, um, uh, you know, worked for uh, uh, Kathleen Wynne's government uh, here on the Left Left or Leftist Show on the Radical Reverend. Uh, And certainly, um, you'll hear this show uh, on CIUT 89.5 FM. Obviously, we're not in the studio. Um, But you can also hear it on just about every podcast outlet as well. So you can hear it on iTunes, SoundCloud, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Emma, you—you—it's—it's it's like you heard my response the—the uh, uh, last time to Alex, um, you know, saying, saying, yeah, this isn't helping small business much. It's—it's—it's um, it's, it, it's a problem, mind you. I have to say. That thinking strategically, and you are trained to think that way too. It's working. I'm amazed to hear you hear that the polling is starting to slip because the last polling numbers I saw showed, you know, Doug's doing way better, uh, Justin's doing way better, Tory's, uh, you know, John Tory's doing way better um, because for for one thing, they're on TV every day. Uh, giving updates, which of course is a politician's dream to have the media focused on you um, completely um, every day. Um, so, but you're saying that that's slipping
2: now? Uh, well, so it, it's, so support for politicians, right, uh, for Doug and, and right for, uh, for Trudeau are very high right now, but there's some key issues where you see the polling starting to slip. It's support for police. There's an interesting poll coming out of the UK, which is, um, that's always a little bit more similar to us than i think than the americans support for police is falling to 33 percent um that's a significant fall um uh, in france support for um severe lockdowns is now for the first time under 50 percent um whether those are outliers i don't know but i think the more uh this carries on um the especially into the summer and when you start getting draconian um, decisions and pronouncements from health officials, like in Ottawa, they are saying you can't talk to your neighbor down the driveway, or you can't talk to them over the fence, or now you can no longer go to a nursing home uh, and, and see your loved ones out the window. That's the type of things that's going to erode uh, support for. Uh, and so health officials and politicians have to be very careful and walk a very fine line um, to, to keep uh, public support for this.
0: Yeah, um, it's interesting that you should talk about that because, of course, we've seen the um, the rise um, of the right wing in the United States. In a sense, I mean, now we've got terrorists holding government hostage. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I mean, I, I, it's it's inconceivable to a Canadian that this could happen. I mean, I'm thinking of Queens Park. Imagine if people walked in there with you know assault weapons and were oh, in the yeah. gallery. Like this is wild. And then a president who kind of you know is complicit, egging them on more or less. Um, uh, so, I mean, uh, you do see that, but it, it, it do you think that that's going to happen? I mean, it, you know, right now, um, politicians who are, are sort of sounding, even Doug Ford is sounding a little softer than he is putting money out into social services in a way certainly wasn't before the pandemic. Um, do you, do you see that possibly swinging the other way?
2: I, I, I don't know about the extent that it's happened in the U S but you already see, um, you know, there's protests here in Toronto. There's Yellow Vest protesters uh, in Hamilton that are protesting against the lockdown. Uh, there was a, a significant protest at Queen's Park uh, a week or two ago, um, and and now I just saw a notification pop up on my iPad to talk to you that um, Trudeau's finally announced an assault weapons ban, and it's it's not hard to rile up the conspiracy uh, theorists right um the the ones and i'm seeing it increasingly amongst educated people on my facebook talking about bill gates and george soros and, and the vaccines and then you start putting assault weapon bans, and it just it triggers um the 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 lunatic right wing uh, mind. And then the next thing you know, uh, you know, there's uprisings. Uh, I mean, small, I don't think we'll ever get to the point where Michigan, where there's hundreds of um, militiamen uh, storming Queens park with assault rifles. But I, you know, it, it, we, we saw in Nova Scotia, it doesn't take much to the trigger for whatever reason, um, uh, an aggrieved <laughs> uh, usually white male. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I can, I can see rumblings. I don't think it can get as bad as in the U S right now. Um, and I don't think our society is as torn, um, as polarized as it is in the U S right now, but, uh, it, it, listen, you, you put in uncertainty, economic uncertainty, you put food uncertainty, uh, you put liberties at, or, uh, civil liberties on the table. It, it doesn't take much to spark, um, um, to, to quote our good friend Alex at Revolution, right? So, um,
0: but we, they weren't we, scary times. But I mean, meanwhile, we also have to survive. We have to live, and so social distancing and some of these rules are essential, scientifically speaking. Oh, to absolutely. Keep us there. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, anyway. I, I and I agree. I mean, I don't think we're anywhere near close to where the U.S. is. But um, but I mean, I I, I also. there are some signs of concern there uh, and here. Um, Let's talk about the U.S. for a minute because I didn't get a chance to talk about the U.S. much with uh, Alex. So Bernie's out of the race, we're dealing with Joe Biden now. Um, We just heard there's a sex assault charge against him, he's denying this. Um, You know, uh, you know, the floodgates will open, of course, with people going through other people's garbage, um, uh, (laughs) literally and figuratively speaking. what do you, what, what's your projected sh- projection there? I mean, right now for the first time we're starting to see uh, Trump's polling I, from what I've seen slip a little. I mean, it was like sort of 50, 50 before. Now all of a sudden people are beginning to lose faith with him. Um, what do you see
2: happening? Uh, yeah, it, it's a very good question. And, and the, the uh, I think her name is Tara Reed. I'm, I'm, and I might be uh, wrong on that. So, I uh, apologize if I am, because um, I haven't been paying a lot of attention to American politics in the last, uh, just for survival reasons. But yeah, it's, I think Joe Biden has to, has to be as, if we learned a lesson from the Hillary email issues and, and the Benghazi idiocy, um, Biden has to be as transparent as possible and he has to get out in front of this and he has to, um he has to address this. And I don't know how he does that. Uh, I mean, he's paying people way smarter than I am, but, um, and if, geez, if he, if he can't, he has to step aside. Uh, and as soon as time is running out and I, I don't think you can minimize how dangerous it would be if Trump is reelected, um, to, well, wow, to millions of people, so uh, a Biden has to really rise to the occasion. He either has to be um, transparent and, and open up an investigation so that uh, he can clear his name, or if he's guilty, he's got to get the hell out. Um,
0: and you're uh, right. There's not a lot of time left. I mean, running no. out of time.
2: Well, the yeah, the um, the, the convention. Well, if it, it can't, I guess it can't happen. But the at some the nomination has to happen at some point in the next uh, two months um, we certainly can't run another primary um, so uh, I, I don't know uh, they're running out of time and and the stakes are extremely high um, and uh, yeah
0: and, and this is I mean it's predictable that the dirt will fly because it always does Um, Okay, let's bring it home for a minute and look at Ontario, because that's where you and I are most savvy. Um, So we've got, I mean, it's still another couple of years before an election in Ontario. Um, Your candidate, Steve Del Duca, won um, uh, the nomination, so leader of the Liberal Party. Uh, Polling here, uh, you know, was like, Doug Ford was in the dumps. You know, for the longest while. And now he's not. Now he's he's looking good polling wise. Uh, And but we all know. I mean, I hope we all know that um, there are major problems. I mean, long term care. I dealt with in in the first half of the show a lot. I mean, what what can one say about how horrible that system is and needs major reforms? Um, but he kind of sounds good these days right he 's kind of sounding good he even talk, talked about the right wing um you know uh and the and and the social distancing measures d- demonstrators that call them yahoos, which yeah. let 's face it are his people <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so it shows uh it shows something there um uh, but we all know that it's the cutbacks that came from conservatives now and then um, that are responsible for the situation we're in in the first place. So how do we combat this when he's sounding good, you know, on TV every day, etc.?
2: So I, I think the, the the answer to that is looking back to 2003. Uh, back in the summer of 2003, we were hit with SARS and we were hit with uh, the blackout, um, and. Bernie Eves scored very highly in public opinion on how he handled both of those crises, uh, yet he still lost uh, three months later to Dalton McGuinty. So I, I don't, and, and if you look back to uh, George H.W. Bush, the first one who, who was polling in the 80 percentile um, uh, a year before uh, the 92 election after the Gulf War, and he, and he ultimately lost to Clinton. So I think that the lessons to be learned there are there's still, when the voters in two years go to the voting box, they, they will still vote on, on issues that matter to them. And the long-term care uh, crisis is extraordinary right now. Uh, if you have a loved one in a nursing home or a retirement home, you're, you're, you're panicked right now because there's a very good chance they're going to get COVID and, and likely uh, become very sick and possibly die. Um, and I think that's a huge issue that's going to eventually um, uh, come back to roost for the Ford government. And at the end of the day, there's still, once this, um, this, we go back to our quote unquote normal lives, there's still going to be the problems with uh, education. Uh, We're going to see the, the huge problems with healthcare and the strain that the, the Ford government's put on in the last two years. So how do we combat um, Doug Ford's quote unquote popularity? We go back to the issues and, and we do what was working in the last uh, two years. We talk about healthcare. We talk about how, Yes, he might give a great press uh, conference, but our hospitals are at the breaking point because he's underfunded them uh, so badly in the last two years. Uh, long-term care, um, we could lose a significant portion of our population living in long-term care because of neglect and, and criminal negligence from the Ford government. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think this is um, a temporary blip in his polls. And at the end of the day, his, his popularity might be going, but his party's popularity is still stagnant so um we'll see how this plays out at uh at the ballot box but we have a there's a lot of time before the next election and uh there'll be a lot of time after this this covid crisis uh, comes to 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 an end
0: i mean let's face it though i, ha- I have to say uh, long-term care has been in crisis for decades um i mean it really has i mean the pay for psws and others has been i mean yeah, there's been, been complaints off. about this for for a long long time so that has to change um let's I, I let's look at the federal government for a minute i mean they're ostensibly in a conservative leadership race right now um i mean Shear's not looking good um uh, and of course their polling isn't looking good um during covid but to, to flip what you just said in ontario Uh, On the other on the other side, do you think this that this bump up for the liberals and for for Trudeau federally will last? uh, Or do you think that the Tories with a new leader and and maybe weigh in on what what person you think that will be is going to make a
2: change there after so-called normalcy? Well, I I think Trudeau certainly has some weaknesses uh, that can be exploited. However, I, the main difference between what Ontario and the, and, and the federal scene is that the the conservative leadership is a disaster, and it, and it was before um, uh, COVID happened. Uh, Sheer, for the life of him, can't do the right thing, uh, and he, he can't open his mouth without pissing off. A, a significant amount of the population. Without so changing to,
0: um, feet, as they used to say. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> He's just, he's a disaster. And, and, and Peter McKay and Aaron O'Toole, uh, fighting at each other. And, and Peter McKay, uh, last yesterday, sent out an email to his supporters, um, uh, bashing Aaron O'Toole and one of the, the paragraphs, uh, he criticized Aaron O'Toole for supporting transgender rights. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, uh, it's on Twitter today. I'll, I'll retweet it later so you can see it. But yeah, he, he basically in the letter said, uh, I consider Aaron O'Toole to be a friend of mine, uh, but we haven't always agreed, especially when he supported the transgender bathroom uh, bill back in 2015. What? So, wow. Yeah, so I Peter and McKay, who... And Aaron
0: O'Toole is hardly... <laughs> oh, <like
2: that>. <laughs> hardly a... <laughs> so the, these two leadership uh, candidates are... They, they did not see the huge glaring weakness of the conservative campaign last time is that they made this run to be as far right as possible. And it was clear that that alienated a significant uh, majority of Canadians. And instead of trying to soften their message and come onto the, it, into the center where most of Canadians live, they decided to race as far right as possible. Um, and uh, Peter McKay has, has traded in any card he had about being a moderate. So it's, this party is just a disaster. And if they continue to to chase um, uh, social conservatives or what I call them bigots, which is what they are, uh, (laughs) they're going to continue to get uh, killed um, electorally, federally. Uh, And, you know, that's ultimately a good thing uh, for us. But uh, yeah, so I think that's the reason uh, Trudeau primarily, uh, yes, Trudeau, he's, he's performing very well in front of the cameras, but he always has performed very well in front of cameras, but his government has some weaknesses, but uh, he, there's no effective opposition to, uh, to capitalize on. And And where's Jake Meekman? I haven't heard from him since uh, October. Um,
0: well, they're pulling around the 15% range. Yeah. So, I mean, they're in, down in the doldrums. Not, they don't seem to be able to get some traction. So uh, it's a problem. Um, yeah. So I, I, I mean, it's interesting. Why do they do, I, I it's sort of, I always say, you know, why does the NDP keep running to the center and why does the conservative party keep running to the right? Like, <laughs> be, like be who, I, I, I guess that's really just who they are. I mean, but this is shocking. I, however, we can't discount the fact that Kenny got elected, that Ford got elected, that we had, you know, they've had successes. Look at Memphis. Yeah, They've absolutely. had successes across the country with a kind of bigot approach. Now, um, well, I mean, federally, I don't know, that's a, that's a whole other tortilla, so to speak. But, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I, I, I hope you're right. I hope um, that this doesn't pick up on some kind of, you know, incipient trans homo and racism and, you know, misogyny and all the things that they love to, to uh, trot out. Um, but, um, again, who knows, right? What do you think?
2: Yeah, well, I think, I mean yeah ford got uh elected but I, I i think that was more and i say this as the liberal um uh that was because we had been in power 15 years and we we had a, an extraordinarily unpopular government in the last uh, two or three years of those so um really uh, and, and you can see it ford didn't run a, a campaign he, he had no um platform and he he was just out there shaking hands uh and smiling more than than anything so um i i, I think uh a conservative pair of shoes probably could have won in, in 2018 in Ontario. So I don't know if that's a, a indicative of the trend towards supporting um, conservative governments. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we'll see in, in 24 months when uh, there's a, a provincial election in, in Ontario. But I think right now, Justin is probably safer than he ever has been since uh, he was first elected in 2015. Uh, every other party is projected to lose seats. Um, The Greens uh, will, uh, under the last one I saw on 338.com, would lose one, the Bloc would lose one, the NDP would lose one, and then the Tories would lose up like 20. So, um, yeah, honestly, I can't tell you what's going to happen. I don't think anyone can. This this is such an unprecedented (laughs) period in our our world. Uh, We'll see what happens in six months. If, if there's a second wave, uh, God help us. Um, but um, right now, yeah, uh, I, I think uh, a lot of it is, is just the disastrous conservative leadership. And, and that awful rump right wing uh, control over uh, the heart of that party. And they, it's a cancer on their party. and they've got to cut it out. Otherwise, it's, it's going to kill their movement.
0: Yeah, um, if you're listening in, of course, you're listening to the Radical Reverend Show. We have been talking here on the left, left, leftist, uh, left, leftist panel um, (laughs) that happens once a month uh, with Alex Graham from Fight Back, with Emma Wakelin, uh, a liberal strategist, a member of the last win government, and of course, myself, Sherry DeNovo. And we'd love to hear from you. So please, you know, let us know what you're thinking. You could hear the show, of course, on CLUT 89.5 FM on Mondays between 4 and 5. But you can also hear it on your favorite podcast outlet uh, anytime. And it will be there forever, hopefully uh, for when this pandemic ends. And that will be soon. Uh, Thank you, Emma, so much for being on the Radical Reverend Show. Keep on keeping on. And I look forward to hearing from you.
2: My it. pleasure. It's always fun to be on the panel. Okay. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. Sherry.